It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to the American Cancer Society, over 240,000 men will develop prostate cancer this year. Many men will also be diagnosed with an enlarged prostate. BPH is a non-cancerous increase in the... This is a story about a community project in East Bridgewater. You would come across the street and tell us the same stories all the time. <laughs> She'd always say, I've been here for 40 years, 40 years. Wow. So that was our saying for the longest time, <laughs> 40 years. At the beach? That's not a bad gig. No, it isn't really. I don't think yeah, so. That was fun. We'll be back there this uh, fall, by the way. Yes. For uh, Spirit Quest, Steve Possum will be here. He'll be doing the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be great. So anyway, speaking about uh, people from that other country. Yes. You know, the one we liberated. <laughs> the one that left Bricks next, whatever it is. Bridge Wicks. Bridge Wicks. I can never say it. Brexit? Yeah, that too. That's it. Uh, Let's not yeah. get into that, no. Okay. <laughs> but would you like to introduce our guests? Yes. It's We're going to dive right in tonight. Yes, we are diving right in because we've got an action-packed show. Yes, we do. Um this is a young gentleman I had the opportunity to meet at one of my red light seances, which I run monthly. And he is here all the way from the UK, uh, who is now uh, part of our lovely American country. And uh, without further ado, let me t- inv- uh, introduce to you uh, spiritualist medium, Mark Brittle. Thank you, Ron. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Um, thank you, Anne. Great pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. And yes, going back to what you were saying, I suppose the States was a bit too hot to handle, so we had to let you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like passing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve always tells us that. Yeah, we, uh, we liberated, let you go, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But anyway, so uh, you were born in the UK, right? I was indeed, in, in yeah. England, I guess. England, right. yes, that's right. Because fairly near London, mm-hmm. where I spent my childhood. And then I went to college in the West Country and then went to college further in London and stayed in London for quite a while. And then lately moved down to the South Coast, about, which is about 50 miles dead south of London. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and a couple of years ago, I came here to join my lovely wife, Karen. Now, there's a neat story on how you met Karen, right? There is. We actually met at the splendid building, which I think is right behind me now, mm-hmm. on the screen, <laughs> <laughs> affectionately known by its students as Hogwarts, but otherwise known <laughs> as the Arthur Findlay College for Spiritual Studies, and we met there some years ago, and uh, so we had some right, common ground, and uh, since that time we've always tried to further our joint interest in 
matters spiritual, by which I mean really communicating with the next the next step of life, and, mm. uh, with, and with all its various ramifications. Mm. So y- you are a spiritualist, right? Yes. Okay. Now, um, you know that's that's a. <coughs> a Would well, you say it's a religion? No. I mean, it, it is a religion, mm. but from my point of view, it's not a religion. Okay. See, having which I do a scientific background. I think it's What really is your scientific background? Oh, well, I, I'm a biologist by training. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I was in cancer research for quite some years. Oh, wow. Uh, which I put aside for other things. Mm-hmm. But, but, mm-hmm. And, um, but <coughs> I regard s- much of what's said to be spiritualism as simply offering a, a fuller understanding, still highly incomplete, but a fuller understanding of nature and the world around us. And in fact, when I was a scientist, I was always very uncomfortable with the, not that I particularly understood them as a biologist, but I was very uncomfortable with the more high-flown schemes of creation and particularly the generation of life. I didn't buy it. And because I was working quite close with research, I thought, well, I, I do have a, a somewhat valid opinion as to whether or not I think all this stuff fits together. And I never did think it did. But nature, as spiritualists will tell you, and many other people, and this is not just spiritualists because much of the spiritualist canon is derived from Eastern studies, obviously, and so forth, but what we see is just a part of a huge nature that goes on to other planes or dimensions, if you like, rather difficult to define, Mm. but nevertheless, I'm certain it's there. So, yeah, from that point of view, I don't think spiritualism needs to be a religion. But when it was sort of reinvented here in the States, or rediscovered, because obviously spiritualism goes back in cultural history for thousands of years. Oh, we thought we invented it here in the States. You did in modern times, you did. The Fox Sisters, absolutely. That's what brought it to the the light of modern, to to the notice of modern man. Um, But um, the, uh, when it was... um, uh, when, it, when it was first discovered, um, there was almost the necessary um, cover for it to be a religion because it attracted a lot of persecution. And it still does. It still does and still can. Um, but if it's seen as a more general understanding, as I mentioned, uh, more of a philosophy of life, mm-hmm. then it doesn't really have to be a religion. But it's organised in terms of churches, which is a convenient way of organising it as a sort of church would be a convenient way of organising almost any group with a certain interest, a certain pointed right. interest, mm-hmm. which isn't shared by everyone. Mm-hmm. Right, when you think about it, churches are basically clubs. Yes. Religion is a club. Yes. You, you have the same, <laughs> same, no, you have the same views. You, yeah. you, you meet with the same people. With the, right. you know, That's right. Yeah, so. And spiritual churches in particular are highly independent. They can spring up where they want, mm-hmm. and they're only very loosely controlled. Right. Very loosely. Mm-hmm. So, yes, from that point of view, they're about as near as to a club as you could reasonably <laughs> get. <laughs> and, and you can get, a, of course, a spiritualist degree for like $25 off. Are they as much it. as that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we can, can we back up to Arthur Findlay for a moment? Because not everybody sure. beep, beep, knows beep, beep. exactly <laughs> what Arthur Findlay is and what they do there. <coughs> and maybe, c- could you just explain a little bit yeah. for our audience? Yeah, I mean, uh, Arthur, Arthur Findlay was a great proponent and protagonist of mediumship. And he lived, 
I think he lived roughly from about 1880 to 1950 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Those are about his dates. And he wasn't a medium himself, but he was utterly convinced of the value of spiritualism. And he was a very learned man. And in between doing his day job as a very successful accountant and businessman, and he made a lot of money, mm -hmm. um, a lot of money. And he bought the hall, which is behind, and had it as a country house. In between making all that money and living the life of royalty, um, he was also incredibly encouraging about spiritualist matters and wrote a lot of books concerning cultural history, which includes spiritualism, but goes l long behind that, long m other than that. I mean, his, his works occupy a shelf about that thick. I uh -huh. mean, he was very, very prolific. Uh -huh. And um, he bequeathed his home and its contents and what necessary endowments there were. Uh, to spiritualism on his passing, which I believe was about mm, 50 years ago, something like that, mm -hmm. maybe a bit more than that. Mm -hmm. And so it's called the Arthur Findlay College by spiritualists because it is Arthur Findlay's gift to spiritualism. Oh. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a magnificent mansion. It's pretty well untouched apart from a few sort of conveniences. Okay. It's got lots of bedrooms and, and when it's full it holds courses for I think it holds probably think it holds about 200 students at once oh. and it it, 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 it it makes residential courses and really all the world's finest mediums go there as tutors and it's not an expensive place and the tutors themselves who are at the top of their game and you know, can obviously earn a, quite a reasonable living, to say the least of it. Uh, they do this sort of stuff almost free. Wow. The, the, the fees are all minimal. Um, and so it, it's a very much in itself a sort of charitable operation. And it's most wonderful. And you can go there, and it's a sort of total immersion sort of place where you go and the, um, you have tuition in classes uh, about 12 hours a day. And it's a marvellous place. And um, you very rarely hear a bad word said about it. And a lot of people uh, live for the place. You know. So That's what type amazing. of classes do they offer? Yeah. Well, as you can imagine, it's mostly mediumship classes. Mm -hmm. But it, it offers, it not, I wouldn't say something for everyone, but uh, you can go on classes which are sort of people who have been in practice as mediums for a long while where a beginner would be probably a bit at sea in it. Mm -hmm. Or you can go for classes where it's a more step-by-step -step thing, because there are obviously things like psychic aspects to mediumship which right. have to be discussed. And um, so, yes, it, 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 it's, it's, it's pretty mainstream mediumship. Occasionally they dart out a bit. I think they were offering a science course at one stage, a science and mediumship course. Um, but the... The, the, the grandees in the institution and the people who are tutors there are basically important career mediums mm -hmm. and what they're offering their wealth of, their wealth of uh, experience. And, and not all the classes deal with mental mediumship, but there's also physical mediumship yes, as well. Yes, there are, there are demonstrations of trance and so forth. Um, but, of course, that's... Yeah, yeah, there are. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I know quite a few people that have gone there. It, it seems to be 
quite the vogue thing <laughs> from the United States to go over oh. there and study it off the Finley. Yeah, so I mean, that it, it doesn't... Amazing. It, it, the place doesn't really have any competitors anywhere else, I'm really. Sure. Not really. And there are um, residential courses at Amiga, um, but often the, the people who are organizing the courses there are the very same that you find in Arthur Finlay College. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the level of immersion might be slightly different. But it, it, it has been around a long while now, the Arthur Findlay College, and it's got a pretty unassailable position as being what it is. You know, it's a choice of one. Ah. That's it. That's so awesome. you met your wife there, or we was did. it like, you know, she was levitating and you just happened <laughs> to know? That's right. Well, she was stuck in the branches <laughs> of a yeah. tree and I had to pull her up by the leg. No, how yeah. did you meet yeah. your wife? That's, yeah. you know, we, we yeah. like to touch on yeah. the personal yeah. side. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we do. And our foot didn't take long to get better at all, really. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you meet her in class, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, sure, why not? Did, who 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 attracted by to who first? Well, I hope it was mutual. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Well, I don't know. <laughs> maybe you know. Maybe you, 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 some spirit told you, hey, this woman likes you. You know. Yeah. Maybe well, there might have been something that. Poke. Yeah. I, I don't think we. I don't think either of us went there expecting to get married out of it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Especially uh, somebody from the states. I mean, geez. Uh, that, that's no disadvantage, he says. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, you've also got involved in uh, an orb project. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about that or? Yeah, I mean, it's it, really the these orbs. Now, what are they? We, we've got some photographs to show, which you kindly yeah. allow me yeah. to bring along. And um, there's something which many people must have seen in, in photographs that they take. And there happens to be, um, the strength of it I don't know, but there happens to be an association of orbs with spiritual endeavors. Mm -hmm. There's usually an association of orbs in a broader sense with things which are sort of emotively charged. So very often they'll come up with pictures where you have parties where people are enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. And very often they'll come up in things which have a, a sort of depth of feeling to them, like historic places mm -hmm. or spooky places come to that. <laughs> and um, so um, there's a little bit written on them. And uh, because it, it turned out that it, uh, I mean, they are very easy to take f to capture on on a camera. Sure. That's not to say you can always get them, but they're easy right. enough to do. Anyone can do it. And so I was amassing lots of pictures of orbs, and then I put together a yeah, sort but of as a, as a scientific background, yeah. you know that that orbs can be caused by dust particles, water. Well, I don't know whether they can because right. I don't think that's I don't think that's consistent with there is there's certainly. Um, a relationship between um, these water saturation and orbs. They're mm -hmm. certainly much more easy to, to picture if you've got mm -hmm. fairly saturated air. There's no doubt about that. But when, because they can be seen in real time by um, infrared vision cameras right. and filmed, it's it's quite clear that their behaviour would be very difficult to explain in terms of dust balls. I mean, they, they have a they generally have a, a certain well-defined structure and they have movement and um, almost an independent movement I think it is an independent movement and a, and a rapidity of movement and a pattern of behavior 
in their ability to literally penetrate walls and come out the other side, which is incredibly difficult to put together um, under any hypothesis which says that they're dust balls. Right, exactly. Um, so, but what they are, I don't know. I mean, they're, 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 they may well be, I don't want to do modern, orthodox science now, but they may be more or less overlooked by orthodox science. Because if you just saw one or two on a film, on a picture that is, not a film, on a, on a, on a film, you could easily dismiss them as being some sort of aberration of the lens. And I think most people do. So, I mean, can, can we... Can we have a look at these? Yeah, sure. Well, we do. I was just going to say can, that. Yeah. If we can start with the f with the first one, um, what's it? Um, we we'll start with the first. Number one. one. Yep. There we go. There you go. Oh, no. Now this is a picture which I didn't even take. This was taken at um, Disney World in uh, Paris. You can tell it's at Paris because people have got coats on. <laughs> and this is, this is the sort of orb that appears, and I think there must be millions of these across the globe where people see a picture like that, and they get something which looks, just with that one, looks like an aberration in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's like a pallid moon, and that's the sort of thing which there are lots of. And so, so that's, a, that's a situation where it's a sort of very joyous occasion. And then another way, they just creep up in normal everyday snaps. Uh, if we could have the next photograph. Number two, please. There you go. And this is a, this is a, I hope you can see it on the screen. This is a photograph that's given to me of an old car. But the, that photograph of that car is absolutely peppered with orbs. And if you were to look at it um, close to, you'll see there are all sorts of orbs of different shapes and sizes. And that, that's just a... Uh, yeah, straightforward snap that someone took mm -hmm. of that old car. Okay. And so I think often people would find, if they looked at their, their pictures, pi orbs, where they weren't particularly wanting them, they didn't expect them. Mm -hmm. And they might just... But they, th you can go on from there, because you can find that they can be slightly more, um, slightly more amenable to photography. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll get on to that. Yeah, that's it. That, that next one, that's a picture of a group of people, including myself, in a church, actually. That was just taken at a, the occasion of some um, little church, um, mm -hmm. you know, finger food thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a big orb between me and the next chap, mm -hmm. just, just on there. Right. So then I thought, well, the thing to do then is to you know, purposely try and go out and find some and see whether they can be put through their paces in any way. Mm -hmm. saying, still not knowing what they are, except that they except that they can appear. So I don't know what so we got the... Um, what, what would be the next... There, now, now there's a situation. Now this was taken... This was taken in a castle under very damp conditions. Mm -hmm. And there you see what looks like a lot of mist, which it probably is. Mm -hmm. But you can also see in there lots of structures and these orbs in these positions um, have, you can see they've got a net-like outer layer. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. They've got like a sort of cortex of a net-like pattern. Um, and depending upon how clearly they come out, that's, that's you know, that's, that's more or less... Um, now, <coughs> one of the things about that, seeing that photograph there, you might say, well, okay, if it's not an aberration, if it is something, um, you know, where, where is that? Where is that body? that orb, because there's no way of telling from any photograph like that how far the orb is Oops, from the on. lens. That's okay, you can keep that one on. Okay. How far the, the orb is from the lens. Mm -hmm. Now, 
<clears throat> you could get around that possibly if you could have a stereoscopic camera right. to do it, which I haven't had available. But you can also do it if you take pictures of orbs in woodland or in rooms crowded with furniture, because there you can quite clearly occasionally see that an orb might be in front of one thing and behind another. Mm -hmm. So you can see, and sometimes you can get the plane of the orb absolutely spot on, so you know that it's behind this and in front of that, by depending. And so, um, but much of the time, you really don't know how big they. Now, here's, here's a bit of here's a bit of ghost hunting that we did some time ago, and we, you know what better than a churchyard? Of course. Yeah. So <laughs> the, now you, w when uh, and I hope people go and do this. These are much of these pictures were taken with a Nokia phone, which was the best I've ever had for doing it. Mm. Uh, an iPhone can work, but I mean, there are certain rules that you can give about what's the best sort of camera to use. Mm -hmm. And um, so most of the time you go snapping around and you get absolutely nothing. Right. And then you, um, you might find you suddenly get a really fine picture. And then the next picture be nothing again. Mm -hmm. So you can take, say, with digital cameras, it's, you could quite easily take 50 photographs, snap, 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 anything like that, right. and then suddenly you'll get one, and then you'll get nothing. And sometimes, uh, but that that one, I hope that comes out on the screen. But that's a particularly nice one. It's got a very good pattern in it. Mm -hmm. That one, okay. which you sometimes don't see. Now, um, the, uh, the screen that's people's television is a little bit bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. That's just <laughs> a, a, yeah. that's just a minor yeah. screen. That, so, yeah. That, that, should, yeah. that, yeah, that okay. should be okay. But that's, that, that, that's a particularly clear one. Mm. And on that evening, you know, several were available like that. Right. And um, so, there, so that led us really to consideration of, of some other things. Um, one of them is whether or not uh, these things move about or not, these orbs. Because, yes, you take a picture and there's not one and then you take a picture and there is one. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can see them, I used to like, if you use a night vision viewer, uh, an infrared viewer, mm -hmm. <coughs> you can use a uh, night vision camera as well, but a viewer is, yeah. and when you see these things, um, which is not unusual, um, they, they're never stationary. They move. Mm -hmm. And I think about the slowest speed at which they move, just about the slowest speed, they'd, they'd traverse a room in about half a second. So it's about 30 miles an hour hmm? for the slowest. So they really do fly. Speedy. They fly like <laughs> birds, like a fast bird flying around. And if you, under certain conditions, you can see loads of them at once flying around. And then you have to say, well, wasn't I lucky to take the photograph and have that orb in that place just when the photograph was taken, mm -hmm. when the shutter was pressed? Because if you were looking at them in real time, or even with a movie camera, you'd see that they actually shoot past like little rockets. Um, right. So um, I don't know whether there's... The, it, it, the, the, um, it's surprising that any are capturable on a still camera. Mm -hmm. simply because they move so quickly. Okay. It'd be like having a room full of birds and just keep taking mm -hmm. a photograph <laughs> until one comes out. Right. Um, <coughs> do we want to do the next yeah. photo? We can go to the next one. Okay. Now, <coughs> here's a photograph because, now, 
this is the, the best one of that sort that that I know of. It's me again, I'm afraid. Yeah, put up with that, I'm afraid. Um, <coughs> but, um, and again, I don't know, I'm not offering any evidence that these um, these orbs have anything to do with spiritualism, of course. Well, that's what that I, that I was going to ask you. I was waiting until you were finished, but yeah. I wanted to know what you thought these orbs were, no, so well, just keep that in I, mind. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Well, 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 some way, some way to, towards it is just that they, they appear to be somewhat biddable. So, if you want to photograph orbs, if you want to get a photograph of them, it does seem that if you ask for them, you might get them. And that probably helps. And there is, this, this has been, I've, this has more or less been repeated. If you want to ask for an orb to go to a certain place, then you might be lucky, and they might. And that one was done just for that purpose. Really? There it's I was. I'm sort of. Right, I've got a sort hands. of pained look <laughs> on my face where I'm sort of trying to connect mm -hmm. with the greater world. Mm -hmm. And the 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 answer was this 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 terrific picture of an orb nesting right at the ends of my fingers. And mm. um, there's another phenomena, Oops, sorry, <laughs> phenomenon coming up here, which is associated with it. Um, there we go. I know we could leave that one on. But sometimes, um, at the same time as orbs, um, there is um, a distortion of space, and that can particularly affect people's countenances and people's bodies. Um, we have um, a wonderful picture of my wife taken in that same churchyard which you saw mm -hmm. just now. And her uh, I can't remember if there's an orb in that shot or not, but her fingers are tremendously elongated, according to the camera, and they're really not that long in life, you know, her nails really aren't that, <laughs> not that long in life. Um, and other times there are very curious facial distortions. Um, and um, in the picture <coughs> which you saw just a moment ago was on my hand, um, I appear to have acquired a couple more fingers. Ah. <laughs> um, and it's a very interesting effect. Wow. And sometimes, it, it, I, I, I think the, the effect is mostly to be seen on bodies, people's bodies. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can affect things around them as well. You can get a very curious distortion. Wow. Um, so is this similar to like if you uh, either scry and, and sometimes you, you get distortions in the mirror where you... I think it, it must be. Or even, even uh, for instance, in physical mediumship where uh, there's a transfiguration. Yes, uh, yes. You see, the transfiguration may be a, a visible to the, to the onlooker example of what, in this case, is only seen by the camera. Um, because um, one of the things I, I was didn't quite hit, man, mention is that usually these orbs are not seen by eye. They're picked up in right. the camera. Mm -hmm. But that is because they exist in the infrared. Now, you know this very well, Ron, but it is the case that if you use infrared filtration, you don't get pictures of orbs. And ghost hunters now, because infrared camp in infrared filtration is sometimes an inbuilt, inbuilt feature of cameras that actually modify the cameras by taking exactly. out the filtration. Um, but what you need is an incident light containing infrared, so any flashlight will do. And then the reflection is infrared, so we can't see it and the camera can. And that's why they're visible by night vision cameras. 
and it's a quite a simple it's quite a simple hypothesis it's probably one of the few things that does work most of the time that, that it, they're in infrared so you don't see them but it is the case that they can sometimes be visible they can sometimes be visible in daylight anyway and I know this because I've seen one and in fact I saw one exactly outside the Arthur Findlay College with two other people as well we were sort of just aghast at this it was sort of late in the afternoon not dark but the sun was setting a little bit and we saw a huge orb about that big uh, it was right in front of us and it was like I don't know it must be like if people well it was just something completely unworldly we saw otherworldly and um, so they can and occasionally um, you can if your eye is away from just looking in the camera occasionally at the point when the flash goes off you can see something which is an orb as it were as if it's reflecting a bit of visible light back so that sounds very vague well it is vague but mm. the rules is not hard and fast but usually you absolutely cannot see these things although they appear as the brightest of white here in 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 the camera yeah. so um, there it's there could be a lot to be done in terms of looking at more advanced forms of photography okay Go ahead. We, I think we have a question from our chat room. Oh, um, which you can't see. I know, it's a little bit here. Uh, Mark, what do you think orbs are composed of, and do different colored ones have different properties? That's from Stephen Scott, who is a spiritualist medium from Scotland. But oh. Yeah. Yes. Hello, Stephen Scott. Thank you, Scott. Stephen. Thank you for your inquiry. <laughs> um, what are they? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I, I, from a spiritualist, I'd take the point of view that they were objects somehow coming through the dimensions. Not a very helpful answer, I'm afraid, but I really don't understand what they are. They have a definite... No, some of them can have a definite reticular structure, there's no doubt about that. Um, and the other thing is that they can absolutely penetrate anything. Uh, I've photographed them coming through cave walls and going out through the roof of a cave with no discernible difference in their velocity. Mm -hmm. um, as for colours, it is the case that sometimes I've found orbs of slightly different hues, um, pinkish and bluish mm -hmm. and white, but I haven't really, there might be significance to that and I haven't thought of it. It's an interesting concept, but there might be mm. some. Okay. But I'd be interested to hear what the questioner's view on this is, because mm. my mind is unclear on it. Okay. okay. Now, um, we are running a little bit of a time, right? Yeah, I mean, do we want to so continue, or we, we, yeah, can, we I don't do have to go with the uh, cemetery? Yeah. Yes, we do. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I do want to mention that uh, we had a, a unique experience together at my red light seances. And um, so uh, I guess the best way is is I conduct these red light seances once a month up in Vesey. And Mark and his wife attended one, uh, actually a couple. And so first of all, I want to know why you chose to attend it. I think that's an interesting uh, 
we chose to attend it because I think it's a rare opportunity of people doing grassroots things like sitting around a table and basically working for spiritual effects. Mm -hmm. When you read the books, you find in the old days people sat in circles for years to get effects. Mm -hmm. And it is the case that people expect and want effects within one or two goes now. Um, There isn't that sort of, um, well, there clearly isn't that sort of devotion to duty that there might have been in yesteryear. Exactly. Well, there was no TV for a start, <laughs> so, uh, so you couldn't watch it on TV. So when we saw what you were doing, we came along mm. and we were astounded by the results. Mm. Um, Karen and I were both absolutely astounded. Mm, thank you. And, uh, and um, the, the, the movement you get, have you seen this, Anne, this, this table? Um, Seance. Really seance. Um, yeah, I've done I've done that with uh, Ron at Spirit Quest. I mean the before. the the, mm-hmm. um, the 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 movement of the table is yes. quite awesome. It's crazy. It really <laughs> is. This is a huge table, isn't it? It must weigh I don't know a couple of hundred weight easily with the eight people around it. Yeah, it's enormous. And the night we came along, um, similar. I've known similar sorts of exercises done once or twice at the Arthur Findlay College and sometimes as it was indeed in the night that we came we were lucky enough Mm -hmm. sometimes it's possible to get fairly specific information about a spirit person absolutely coincidental with the table tilting Mm -hmm. and and of course for a very long time the the table tilting itself has been used as sort of means of communication with table wraps and so forth and I know you don't always use it in that way but that's is definitely yeah. a very strong association between spiritual activity and a table movement and um, but the really the um, the ghost light effect that we had that okay. is really so quite let's bring up the picture of the uh, <coughs> light so let's describe this light uh, can we bring up the picture please simple circuit I think it's called the last picture on there. There we there go. You go. So this mm. is really simple. This is uh, spirit light. Uh, Steve Parsons brought one over to me from the UK. Uh, it's basically a, a battery uh, power source, a wire going to uh, a light bulb, the end of the wire going to the switch, going to the uh, battery. So when you complete the circuit, the light goes on. When you I'm, you know, turn the switch on, it goes on. When you turn it off, it's very simple, mm-hmm. very simple thing. And uh, we had it on the table that night. We did, for all continue. to see. For all, for all to see. And we had a spirit person in who happened to be a science teacher ah. in previous life, <laughs> which was most interesting. Mm-hmm. And just about coincidental with that, this light began to work. Now... This means that the the battery voltage to complete the circuit, which was a say a one and a half volt battery or a nine volt battery or something, but yeah, to okay. complete the nine volt battery to complete the circuit, the current in com- un- in conventional terms would have to have jumped across about an eighth of an inch of open space, which represented the space between the contacts of the open switch, and the light went on and it stayed on, and as if it wasn't enough that the circuit was actually ostensibly completed 
um, in almost no time at all, after two or three minutes, the battery went flat. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that's another interesting, we can get into that in a minute, that's another interesting, another interesting finding, because that's, that's also consistent with other effects, which I'm sure you observe, Ron, and mm-hmm. I certainly have. Mm-hmm. But the... The, the way in which the way in which that could could have been accomplished is 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 very difficult to surmise. I mean, if under normal conditions to bridge a volt uh, to bridge a gap of an eighth of an inch, you'd need uh, what's it thirty thousand volts an inch, so an eighth four. You need say five kilovolts or something to arc across, which is not going to be forthcoming from a nine volt battery, and you'd see a spark. Mm-hmm. Either that, or you have to turn the airspace and the contacts to some sort of Plasma, some sort of ionic, <laughs> you know, that's what you'd have to do. Exactly. And there's no other way, really, hardly any other way of doing it. Although maybe a, 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 I'd have to, a, a physicist would be handy for this to, to really, <laughs> somebody really knew. But I, it, it's it's tantamount impossible to imagine how the, how this could work. Um, and <coughs> along the lines of suggesting something that could be at the root of it, and this was a a marvellous effect, and actually, I must say this on the side, when we got home, I immediately made one of those, <laughs> uh-huh. one of those things uh-huh. to try to get, I had no success in getting it working, but I wouldn't even expect to get it working. It's such a tall order. I mean, it's, just, it's almost as like saying, well, move that cup from there to there, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that. Um, but there are a couple of things about this. Firstly, as we know, um, spiritual communication can often involve the tweaking or meddling with electronic equipment. That's a slightly different order from actually bridging a gap in an open circuit, but nevertheless there's a tweaking. Secondly, you know, we know, that the instruments that electricians often use for sounding out live wires in walls, EMF meters, they are very frequently used by Ghostbusters it's a it's a it's a usual way, and Ron, you have them working at mm-hmm. your seances as well. These are things which would normally only pick up a live wire, so they need quite a big um, uh, electromotive force to be tweaked into life. And these things can chirp like birds, handheld in midair, when there's spiritual activity. In fact, I've known people conduct a conversation with spirits using yeah, the medium effects, and I'm sure you have too. Yep. Yep. Now, so there is this ability to induce um, EMF, which would otherwise correspond to really seriously high um, current circuit loads. Mm-hmm. Um, that still doesn't explain why the light comes on, but it gives it. It's it's all in that realm because yeah. we're dealing with things which we we don't understand. We can know that they're there, but we just really don't understand. Um, and secondly, the battery running down. This again is something, and I've got, I've had first-hand experience of this, and I'm sure you have, right. yeah. that you can load a battery into some device and find that it absolutely fails. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had even taken batteries out, which most people do when they're ghostbusting. <laughs> they take their EMF meter or their temperature meter, which is another thing that can mm-hmm. change, and they have a whole pack of batteries ready to put in. And if the night's going really well, then you drain every single battery, <laughs> not seconds flat. You don't get any right. readings because the batteries go flat in a minute. So this was a big battery on this light that you had. Yep. Mm-hmm. Took quite, I mean, it would be, that would be enough to light the light for hours, probably, ordinarily. Nine volt would be, uh, be for a while. Anyways, and it went down sure. in about 
what, four minutes, something right. like that? Wow. Three yeah, we minutes. did ask the spirit to turn the light off. I says, you know, he turns it on, can you turn the light off for us? And it didn't go off immediately like it turned on, but it did it in this draining effect of going down. down. Yeah. That's yeah, the spirit left. So it was, it was an interesting. It was remarkable. I have to tell you a funny story. Yeah. When uh, a few years back, it's, just, well, it's got to be maybe 10 years now, uh, we had a German television crew came over, was doing a documentary on, on me and my team. And uh, they came over here, and we were telling them about what we do and everything else. And one of the things we do, and this is our own beliefs, is, is we bless the equipment with holy water, and we believe that it protects it. Uh, so they, they went off, and they, and they came back and says, Ron, can you bless our batteries? Because we can't, we can't charge them. Because <laughs> they were in European at the time. And so, oh, oh, yeah, no. so we had to go That's through it. Funny. So anyways, uh, Mark, we, we want to see if uh, you're in action. We want to yes. see what a uh, platform medium does. And Absolutely. so we're going to play uh, Cemetery Tripping right now. And then uh, we'll be back with Mark. All right. Good, thank you. <clears throat> Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I will feature a different cemetery in each episode that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avitaphophile, or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. Located on the very edge of Boston Common, along Boylston Street, the central burying ground dates from 1756, although the oldest burial actually took place in 1749. It holds not only the usual historic stones of the period, but also some very unusual and interesting carvings. Established to alleviate overcrowding at King's Chapel, Copse Hill, and Granary burying grounds, this site was considered the least desirable, because it was the farthest from the market center of the town. There were 5,000 burials here, but there are only 487 tombstones and 282 tombs around the structure known as the Dell, which houses the remains of the graves disturbed by street construction. Additionally, a large grave in the northwest part of the site contains human remains unearthed during subway construction in 1895. Some famous names in this graveyard are Gilbert Stewart, the famous artist that painted George Washington, Samuel Sprague, a participant in the Boston Tea Party and soldier in the Revolution, and Charles Sprague, the famous 19th century poet. While the graves of famous people are interesting, I found three stones in this cemetery which were more fascinating to me. The first is the gravestone of a slave, and the inscription reads, Here lies interred the body of Chow Mandarin, a native of China, aged 19 years, whose death was occasioned on the 11th September, 1798, by a fall from the masthead of the ship Mac of Boston. This stone is erected to his memory by his affectionate master, John Boyd, Jr. The second stone which caught my eye is unlike any other marker I have ever seen before, and is filled with symbolism and biblical references. It is the grave of James Waterman of Situate, aged 18, and is carved with a dead branch broken from a growing tree. 
a butterfly is emerging from its cocoon on the dead branch. Beside the growing tree rests a Bible, opened to the reference of Job XIV7 XXV6. A chalice is next to the Bible, and the inscription across the top, Son Sat Remo Vixise. A rough translation of this Latin phrase is, Son Lived Enough. While I interpret the symbolism of the butterfly as a life emerging from the dead, and the branch that has fallen from the tree symbolizes the death of a family member. The biblical references are, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. And the second reference is, How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. This is an amazing stone, and I wish I knew more about young James Waterman. The third and final stone that I found unusual was that of Frederick Gilbert, because it hosts not only the Masonic symbols of the compass, stars, moon, and square, above a chalice on its tympanum, but also the Puritan symbols of a coffin with skull and crossbones, and the sexton's tools of pick and shovel. The inscription at the very top of the stone reads, He lived within compass, a phrase which I found in a book called The Masonic Review. The full phrase reads, He lives within compass, he works with his tools, and levels his ways by the Grand Master's rules. For me, it is more about discovering the simple yet beautifully carved and meaningful stones than it is about the grand monuments of the famous. You can find the Central Burying Ground by walking along Boston Common, along Boylston Street from Tremont Street to Charles Street, where you'll see the graveyard just inside the gates. I hope you'll look for my favorite markers and enjoy them as much as I did. Wow. And we're back. That was amazing. I love that story. Anyway, so let's go right to it. Do, so dive right in. Mark, you, uh, you're going to try to do your um, mumbo. Your attempt. Your attempt. Yes. Your, I, what do they call it? I don't know what Indeed. they call it. <coughs> Connection. Thank you. Yeah, demonstrating it's usually called. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah. Somebody's got to save my butt. Okay. Okay. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here this evening. I'm going to now. I'm going to try to get some um, communication with the with the next world, um, as uh, to capitalise on all the training that I've <laughs> all the training I've had. Now, um, they, this this takes this takes three three things. This job. Um, firstly, it requires a rather wonderful spirit person to break across the barrier, which is a miracle in itself. And um, uh, and convey to me uh, information, which I do my best to understand. And then it requires from you um, a careful ear and um, and a wish to receive um, a message from someone on the other side. So I'm going to try to describe one or two people who I believe are joining us now uh, from the spirit world and um, <coughs> we shall see. Uh, uh, now I want to start by trying to introduce a lady who <coughs> I think um, she, she has a fairly motherly feel to her okay so I think she might well be a mother or possibly a grandmother but I'm going to say a mother. Now this lady was um, was a natural comic actually. Uh, she made people laugh 
and she's a very as I'm as I'm looking at her, she'd be about mm, she'd probably be about seventy as I'm looking at her. Now, I'm not saying that that's when she passed, but she must have made that sort of age. <coughs> I think well, if you think of a mother, and she has um, fairly tousled grey hair, but the thing is that she has a, skirts on, and I think she very much liked to dance. Um, she very much liked to dance, and I can see her almost jigging around, you see, and uh, and she's funny. Uh, she 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 likes to keep people happy, so I want to know whether that might correspond to a mother or a uh, grandmother in the family. There's this definite thing about having skirts that move around. Have you got any offers on that? Anyone? Someone? She liked to move a lot. She's humorous and she likes to move. Switching her skirts around. Then this would have been a key thing to her and she was she she kept people amused. So you got no? Mm. No. Not me. I wonder. My mother didn't like to move. <laughs> no, well, this, this has to be this has to be someone very this one has to be someone very active. So I'm seeing uh, I just go a little bit a little bit further because I she was she was quite strongly here. So I don't but she got um and uh, I think she she had she liked to wear strings of beads like this. And I'm seeing her in a dark dress which swings around a bit. I don't know if there are any memories of that from anyone. Think now. Yeah. Hmm. It's oh, a shame, really. Um, there might be this. There might be something to do with these beads because I think they might be, might be, might be kept. It might be kept as a sort of, um, yeah, memento. Uh, a memento. Yeah. 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 Well, seem. No. No, I think. Well, which well, is here anyway, so it's <laughs> <laughs> not doing as much good. It's not really doing as much good, but excuse me. But I just wonder. It was just. It was just. It was just her comicness, and this doesn't obviously doesn't fit anyone's mother or grandmother. Hmm. I'm a bit surprised. Don't really know where to go for it from there. Um, no, no, no. Okay. Well, we'll put her aside, and I'll come back to her. I'll come back to her if anyone might might remember might remember who she is. So, okay. <coughs> I want to go on now to um, a chap who is a, a family man, um, a very a very uh, charming old family family member. And he feels as if he, he's got a sort of slightly cuddly feel to him. So I'm thinking he might be a grandfather, but he might be a father. Um, and um, the point about this chap is that I'm seeing him in quite in quite late age, and um, he has um, a, um, uh, a very um, uh, domed bald bald head. And the point about him is that um, he was he was very much helped he was very appreciative of help and I get an image of of his hand being held <clears throat> there are a number of other features about him but this has to be a very gentle gentle man who was uh, smallish I believe 
but with a, 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 a distinctly crowned domed head. And he would have been a, I say, he would have been a, um, a father or a grandfather and somewhat, somewhat helpless towards the end. Um, but he again had, had, could have a comic turn. So have I got any offers on this chap? <laughs> no. Oh I think it could be my brother-in-law. It could be your uh, brother-in-law, madam. Um, was he? Do, do, do you remember him being very appreciative? And did you did you hold his hand a lot when when oh, when he went? And and he had a really quite a shiny crown like that. And would you remember him being? I mean, he was just a very a very uh, very gentle-centered man, very very gentle. And I, I'm seeing that about. He must be about 75 or something like that. Oh, he passed young. Well, how old? Um, I think like 49. Mm, that's a bit old. But he had this bald head, did he? Yeah. Listen, do you remember? Do you remember if? Um, do you remember if if he? he there, there are two aspects of his um, of his appearance which struck me. The first was a sort of raincoat thing. Do you remember him having a certain sort of raincoat that he rather liked to live in? No. Hmm. Because the other thing is that he, is he wore his trousers rather short, too short. Do you remember that? No. Maybe mm. I don't think I'm with you then. Mm. The uh, no. Um, he was. Um, I, I. I mean, he was. He was very dependent at the end, and I think we've got that bit. Mm. Um, you. You. You don't. Huh. You don't remember the colour of his socks, do you? Because he <laughs> seems to have coloured socks. Do you remember this? Mm. Mm. See, that should be something that, you know, if it came through. Who's grandfather? Who's grandfather? The director. The director's grandfather. So, oh! Oh, well, there you are. You're out there, sir, are you? And do you remember him wearing coloured socks? Stripy, almost comic coloured socks. <laughs> yeah, with his trousers too high. Oh my God, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> and do you remember the raincoat as well? Like the rain you did. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, he's here now. <laughs> he says, hey. So, yeah. So, he was very, um, what was he, about 75 when he passed? Yeah, he was about 75 when he passed. <laughs> so, and he's, and he's very appreciative, you see. It's almost, almost like, not puppy eyes, but very grateful. A, 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 a lovely... Um, a very appreciative, lovely man, very gentle. Um, and and w he was your grandfather, sir, was he? Yeah, he did sound like that. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. Well, look, we haven't got time, so I'll, I'll thank you for... He's, he's really, it's really a, a message of gratitude that he has. Now, that's what it is. And he's, he's, he must have, he must be very, he's almost crying, you know. Aww. And I think he was... I think he was very weak when he when he passed, you know, very weak, and maybe his mind or something. I don't know, but he's so grateful now, you see. So you must have been most instrumental in helping him, you know, towards the end. Is that the case? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. No, Do you have a you message from Marcus? Huh? Is, is he given a message? It's just really a question of appreciation, you see. Okay. Because he's a, he's not he wasn't the one to intrude. He's very he's almost self-effacing, isn't he? He was a shy man. Yes, very shy man. So he's just coming forward just to say, yeah, yeah. I'm here. No, I'm here. Okay. Right. So that's what that is. Okay, well, thank you so much for that.
You're obviously, obviously watching the program as it goes out then. So that's, that's <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I was afraid of that, that, uh, that yeah. would happen from yeah. the I control. Know, yeah. Yeah. And when I was thinking about the first right. one, it's like, okay, so. Yeah, it could be someone out yeah. there. Yeah. We've got time. Um, I'll do um, a couple more people. Uh, who am I going to pick? Um, yeah. I could put two or three. Um, so I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think who to, who to pick now. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to try a. I'm going to try a lady. I'm going to try a lady who, who part. This is. We've got to get going, haven't we? Um, I'm going to try a lady who, who, who I believe passed quite, quite young in life. So we're talking now about someone who was probably, I think, probably about 40, or in their 40s, but young in life. Not, not. She went before her time. And <clears throat> the reason I want to uh, mention is that I, there are, I think two things about her. Um, firstly, I think she may have been a, um, a racially, I think she might have been Asian. Um, uh, she's got really, that really lovely thick sort of black hair. And I think she, she looks fairly Asian. So I can, I can, I can cut this quickly just to see. Uh, would <coughs> do you know of uh, a lady who's racially Asian, she's very friendly, very friendly woman, and um, she would have passed, I think, probably quite recently. Does that ring any bells with anyone? She probably mm -hmm. had.